0: How did David get, how did God pick David? How did he, how did, I look at it this way. God was a, the father was attracted to David. What created the attraction? How do we attract God? Do you have any desire to be attractive to God? I do. I want my life to be an accurate reflection. When you look in the mirror, what do you see? Most of us don't like what we see in the mirror. Our hair, our face, our age, our clothes, our status, how good we look, whatever it is, your failures, but you should look in the mirror and see a son and a daughter that has a full-grown Jesus living inside of you. And I double-dog dare you to look right in the mirror and point at yourself and make a prophetic declaration over your life. You are a son and you are a daughter and you are beloved and you have the favor of God and you will fulfill every purpose that the Father has for you. I dare you to do it. The world is completely contrary to the kingdom. We're valued in the world based on your status, your notoriety, your recognition, your likes, your popularity, your money, how you look, all those things. But in the kingdom, the weakest is the greatest. The least is the most. But we don't want to take the least road, do we? The most broken, the most downcast are the ones that God looks upon and showers his favor of prosperity. See, those without family are in desolation, but those in family move into prosperity. Isolate and hide yourself, desolation, desert. Step into family, no matter how broken, how hard, how difficult, prosperity. So let's discuss the favor of God. What is it? Most people don't really understand the favor of God because it's a double-edged sword. When we think favor of God, many people think you have to earn it or deserve it. And if I'm good enough and I measure up, then God will bless me more. That's a deceptive lie. Yet at the same time, our lives should be a pleasing fragrance to him. A lot of it comes down to trust. Just have children. My children have to be trusted with more. And when they're not faithful with the little, why do I give them more? If my kids had their way, there's 11 and under, three of them. And they have a natural tendency to never clean their room. I don't know how this happens, but they never, ever think to themselves in advance, I'm going to clean my room today. In fact, that has never happened in their entire life. And if your kids are doing that, please come educate me how you're raising your kids because I need to figure this out. See, fathers are restrainers. Fathers are restrainers. If I don't restrain my kids, they'll wind up in prison like I did, drugs, abusing and using everybody else for them. They'll be entitled. There's no entitlement in the kingdom. You're not entitled to anything. But because God loves you and delights in you and you have surrendered your life to him, he showers his favor upon you first by giving you his son. You must never forget the greatest favor of God is Jesus Christ. Woo, man, I'll take Let me ask you, is he enough? No, don't lie. Sometimes he's not, but he should be. He is more than enough. Is he enough? So, man, he's enough and then some. He's enough and plus I need these other things to make him enough. No, you don't. Total dependency upon Christ and putting your delight in him changes your life and sets you up for great success in your future. What is success? Is it more money and stuff? I mean, that can be a byproduct of it, but great success is that you are not crazy in your head. Mark my words. I know a lot of very, very wealthy people, and they have a lot of money. And... (laughs) (laughs) We have such a... skewed idea of God's favor, but let me break it down for you. The favor of God's best described as his delight and love towards you, and that he demonstrates that delight in various ways because he favors you. Stop just looking at the breakthroughs of your jobs and your money or even your family as that. Those are all part of, can be part of it. I want the favor of God for my wife, my kids. I have no greater cry in my life, none, than that my kids would serve the Lord. And the best thing any of you can ever do for me, more than anything, is to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and to be flamed on and on fire and never compromise and have a healthy marriage, healthy kids. You can't give me a better reward. There's no greater reward for me than for you to flame on spiritually. The favor of God is his tangible approval. It's tangible. This is tangible to me. You are tangible. I can touch you. You're here. That couldn't happen in my best day. I'm not that good. You followed the Spirit. It's true. It's true. You followed the Spirit. You honored the Lord, and here you are. It can be seen everywhere around you if you look. The, the favor of God is everywhere around us if we look. His creation. For me, I see the favor of God in trees, birds, the ocean, fish, oil, the process of getting oil, babies and the processes of babies being birthed, the stars, the sky. When you lose your wonder, you lose your hunger. I am fascinated by God. You should be wondrously fascinated by God. I see the favor of God in the fact that you were even born to your mama. God picked you and you were fearfully and wonderfully made in your mother's womb. I see the favor of God in the fact that you are uniquely you, your eye print, your teeth, your fingerprint, and your DNA. No one else on the planet has it. 300 million plus people. That's the favor of God, that he birthed you into this world for such a time as this. I see the favor of God in family, children. I see the favor of God through all kinds of blessings in our life. God favors those who delight in him and desire to be with him. Let's look at Isaiah chapter 66. The Bible tells you exactly how to obtain God's favor. The verse before this talks about the fact that if we think we're gonna build God anything, we are deceived because God doesn't actually need you to build him anything. It's as if, God, I'm gonna do something for you that you can't do for yourself. And he's like, hasn't my hand made all these things? And so they came into being, declares the Lord. But look at this part right here. These are the ones I look on with favor. Who are they? Humility. Let's just start there you want to lose, the fastest way to lose the favor of God is pride. Doesn't mean he doesn't love you. Doesn't mean he doesn't care about you, but pride, arrogance, stubbornness, haughtiness, disobedience to keep doing it your own way. Stop. For the love of God, please, beloved, stop being prideful. Be broken Take the low road, stay deep underwater, and be dependent upon Him. Those who are humble and contrite, what does it mean to be contrite? My favorite definition of contrite is a recognition of my depravity. And guess what? I'm contrite right now. <laughs> Most days I feel like I'm a total mess. Most days I feel like I'm barely coming up for air. So many days it feels like, Lord, What's happening? There's days and times where I wonder, God, where are you? What are you doing? And why is this happening? But see, being contrite is a remembrance of where you came from. It's a recognition that I was so jacked up and I'm still in desperate need and I recognize my need for forgiveness and mercy. I need so much mercy. And guess what? This is good news for you and my family. Because the more mercy you get, the more mercy you give. You need to be a mercy well. well. Be a mercy well. But some of you are angry and bitter, mad at the world, angry, angry at God. You need to forgive and let go and walk in mercy because he has it for you and you don't deserve it. And then finally, those who tremble at my word. You know what tremble speaks to me? The fear of God but a healthy fear of God. This is a fear of God that has me in total reverence and awe of the Lord. Trembling at his word is delighting in his word. Trembling at his word is trusting his word. Trembling at his word is being obedient to his word. I spend more time in in the Bible than any other book. Most of the time, I don't want to read another book. I just want to read my Bible. I love God's word because it gives me every instruction, all the guidance, and it reveals to me who Jesus really is. And The more that I hear his word, the more I tremble and the more I become like him. I want you to look like Christ at school, at work, with your friends, with your family. I want you to look like him, sound like him, act like him. So those are the ones that look on favor. Those are that he looks on with favor. Those are the keys. Humility, not pride, and arrogance. Being contrite, recognizing your depravity and your need and always running for forgiveness. And trembling at his word. In the simplest of terms, favor is overgenerous preferential treatment. And God is overgenerous and he prefers you because he loves you. It's acts of kindness beyond what is normal and what is He's too good. Let's just say that, God, you are too good. He's above and beyond what you even think is good. But see, if you don't understand the discipline of the Lord, you're gonna misread it and think you don't have favor. But see, the favor of God is the discipline of God. Let me say that again. The favor of God is also the discipline of God. Because if he didn't discipline you, you would be illegitimate and you'd kill yourself. My kids would never take out the trash. They would live like slobs. They would watch TV all the time and everything would be about them. Seriously. But because God loves us, he restrains us and he disciplines us. That's the favor of God. That's the difference between us and the world. If you are born again, you're sons and daughters, and you have access to the favor of God, but to the ungodly and the wicked and the unborn, and we don't like that. It's like, we want everybody to be saved. This is not a universalist church, folks. Everybody has to be saved. Now, I believe the worst of the worst of the worst on their deathbed and can't talk, they can look at me, their spirits awake, and they're alive. I believe they can say yes to Jesus to their last breath. I've seen it. But they could have lived such a better life they did not have to live the life that that those people lived that's why some of you made the change thank god it was better late than never the favor of god is not earned or deserved but it comes from identity as sons and daughters because you're part of the family Best way I can explain it is, I'm not, your kids are not going to crawl into my bed tomorrow morning in their underwear at six o'clock in the morning to cuddle. If they did, that'd be weird. <laughs> Am I right? But my kids will. Your kids will. Because they have access. They get a special favor from their dad. See, I know this message so well. My multimillionaire blood father left my 24-year-old Greek mother, who he got pregnant on a one-night stand that he met at a nightclub. He hightailed it to Beverly Hills, California and left my little Greek mom to work two jobs while I sat at a babysitter all day every day and many days overnight. Rejected by my father an outcast, abandoned, isolated, lonely, desperate for attention, attachment disorders, all that. I know that. And because I know it well, when people walk in this room and have it, I recognize it and can help them because I have history with it. But what I want to say to you again, like I said last week, your story doesn't have to be my story. Every single one of you was an orphan. You might've thought you were good, but God doesn't call any of us good. Even when they tried to call Jesus good, what did he say? Why are you calling me good? If anybody could have been called good, it was Jesus. But what did he say? Only my Father in heaven is good. God doesn't want you to be good. He wants you to be spiritual. He wants you to be wind-driven. You don't have to measure up and perform for God. My son doesn't have to perform for me. Do, do I have expectations for him to work, learn a work ethic and get, get up and not be lazy and go take out the trash or feed the animals or... Go get the trash cans from the road or soon it's going to be mowing and weed eating, which I can't wait for. (laughs) Because he has to be taught. Fathers are restrainers that teach their children work ethic and break that entitled orphan spirit. So David learned it. He learned it by getting a new dad. See, that's another thing. If you were abused, nearly beat to death, by your dad, and you went through hellish, nightmarish, militant, abandoned situations with your dad, there can be a synaptic disconnect with the heavenly father. Right. It can be so hard to see God as good. Because the only narrative I have is my dad that abandoned me right, yeah. or beat me or left me. Whew, I just feel the Lord on that that's why he's a father first. There's no greater attainment in the kingdom than father and mother. Forget the titles. I mean, they're there for a reason because they identify a nature, but the greatest nature is the nature inside of you of a dad you never had. And when you're a single mom or a single father, you got a heavenly father. And that Heavenly Father can fill every void and every space inside of your life. He's not abusive. He's not mean. He loves you and He cares about you. And when you couldn't do it, He did it. When you were in the midst of your sin, while we were in darkness, God sent His Son. Woo! That's the favor of God. So, what do we want more? You want my favor or God's favor? Now, you can want both. Both is okay. But who's first? Look at 2 Chronicles 16, 9. The eyes of the Lord are always looking. They're always looking. They're looking all around the earth. The eyes of the Lord are always looking. The eye of the Lord is this close to this church. Don't kid yourself. He's this close right now. I can't tell you about other ones. I'm just going to tell you, I know he's here. And I think anybody that has a heart and desire for the Lord, God is close to. But notice, what's he looking for? He's looking to show himself strong to those whose heart is loyal. If we could just find a loyal man and a loyal woman, where does our loyalty lie? Does it lie to our careers, our stuff? When Jesus sent out the servants to the highways and the byways and in, to invite them to the banquet, remember that story? What did they say? As soon as we go back and take care of our land or go take care of our family or go take care of, we'll get there when we can because their loyalty lied in some, the rich young ruler's loyalty Lied within himself and his riches. So God does want to show himself, but it all comes back to delight. But God doesn't support dysfunctional lifestyles. If my daughter bites one of my other kids and draws blood or bites at all, I don't go, oh, here's a piece of candy. Good job. And I say this because I love you. I would be a dysfunctional pastor if I sold you a bill of lies. You gotta come out of that old life. That person's dead. That's not who I am anymore. That's not who you are anymore. That person's in the grave. And it doesn't mean God doesn't have mercy and it doesn't mean you won't make mistakes. But if we choose to be defiant and live a disobedient life from God, what will happen? We're going to lose out and miss out on his increased favor. You got to repent. Delighting in God means we seek his heart and favor first before anyone or anything else. Psalm 37, 4, I love, love, love this scripture. Delight yourself in the Lord and... Delight yourself in the Lord, and if I lay hands on that Porsche or Mercedes, that's not what that means. Listen to what, let me tell you what this means. It means that when I delight in him, my heart changes. My desire to build a new sanctuary here is nothing about me. I'm going to be long dead, and this is going to long go on before us. I'm thinking generations, family, children, harvest. This isn't selfish for me. This is for the kingdom. Everything we have and own and possess is for the kingdom. It's all for him. So when you put your delight in him, he gives you new desires. Mary found favor with God at about 14 years old. Luke 1:30 says that Mary found favor with God. How? Because at a young age, if you read the Song of Mary, it shows you what she knew and what was inside of her heart. So because of her loyalty and faithfulness to God, look what it says. You have found favor with God. Abraham, Rahab, Naomi, Ruth, all found favor with God and obtained a promise to be fulfilled through their family lineage. Jesus had to find favor by growing in wisdom and stature. Until he was 30 in his young adult. If we could get our teenagers and our young adults to keep growing in wisdom and stature and never turn back like Joshua, like Jesus, like David. Look what it says in Luke chapter two, verse 52. Jesus increased in wisdom and stature. And what happened? And in favor with God. My heart is to be a man after God's heart and to grow in wisdom and stature. This is one of my favorites, Proverbs 33, I'm sorry, Proverbs 3, 3 and 4. I love this so much because there's a lot of us that love necklaces. When I think about necklaces, I think about status symbols, gold, big chains. Man, did I have big gold chains with my name in the 80s? I had my name with a mullet. I mean, I was a rockin' 80s. I, wore, I even wore crop top shirts. I'll find a picture and show it to you guys. Yes, that was popular back then. I didn't do the mesh shirt. No, I did not do the mesh shirt. What's around your neck? Mercy and truth breaks stiff neck people stubborn prideful see the opposite of mercy and truth is pride stubbornness we got a stiff neck god can't turn your head what is around your neck see i envision a beautiful chain with two medallions one says mercy one says truth i think it's ironic that in the one percent outlaw biker world they wear patches you know what they say no mercy because the mindset is show no mercy. But in the kingdom, I got a new necklace. I wear a new necklace now, and it's got lots of mercy, because I got lots of mercy and lots of truth. And now my head can be turned any way to follow the Spirit. Whatever you say, Lord, lead and guide me, I'm not gonna be prideful anymore. I just see the Lord putting a new necklace on every one of you. Picture yourself wearing a new necklace. Because what happens when you wear mercy and truth around your neck and you write them on the tablet of your heart? Look at the next verse. Two kinds of favor, beloved. You get favor with God and high esteem with men. Woo! You don't think God can't open the door with people? Yes, he wants to give you favor with men. But first comes favor with God. Because when you have mercy and truth around your neck, God says, I can trust you. So when the 400 outlaws came to the cave of Adullam, David could be trusted with their hearts. What outlaws are following you? What distressed, discontented, indebted people are following you? And if there's none, guess what? Stay at Rock City. There's plenty to be found. Seriously, stick around, get plugged in, get involved. Use your gifts. Serve someone. The fastest way to get out of our own hurts and dysfunctions is to extend a hand to someone else. You know how many times i prayed or given to somebody and God's pleasure and favor poured out on my life and I started crying and he healed my heart even more than them? You know how many times in a prayer line I went to pray for somebody? I'm the one praying for them, bawling my eyes out while they're going like, what's the matter with you? Because I'm getting healed while I pray for them. Serve someone. Get activated. Get involved. When we walk in a lot of mercy and truth, God shows an even greater demonstration of his grace towards you. See, I see favor and grace as some synonymous. You know what grace is? It's different than mercy. It's similar in that you don't deserve it, but what it really means is God breathes wind in your sails and gives you an ability to accomplish something. You can't do anything without grace. You can't even be saved without grace. God knew you couldn't save yourself, so he had to give you the grace to get saved. Isn't that crazy? That's the ultimate good news. You can't do one thing without the grace of God. And then you walk in faith, saved by grace through faith. And grace and faith, Hebrews eleven six. 6. Oh man, do I love that scripture. Without faith, it's impossible. Say Impossible to please God, but with faith. Woo! (laughs) We put our trust in God no matter what we face. I walk by faith, you walk by faith and not by sight. Stop being moved by what you see. Sight is the enemy. Because sight brings fear. Say, oh, well, fear is the enemy of faith. No, first is what you see, because if you don't see right, you'll get obscured, Picture of what God's saying and doing, and you'll fall into fear. We walk by faith, and it moves the heart of God. Because if you don't, without faith, you, it's impossible. But when you believe, the fastest way to get the favor of God is to believe. And you know what believe means? Believe just doesn't mean I give a verbal adherence to being a Christian. That's probably hundreds of millions of people that claim to be Christians. They're believers, and they may make it to heaven. But I don't want to just make it to heaven. I don't want to just stamp your passport. Wouldn't it be funny if every time you walked in, I, I stamped your, oh, you believe? Stamp, stamp, stamp. But real believers are disciples. Yeah. Believers will make it to heaven, but disciples bring heaven to earth. Listen, it's heaven, it's heaven now. Woo! Shaka. Everybody say, Shaka come on, you guys, lighten up. Listen, it's one o'clock in the afternoon. my second time preaching. I am in the trenches and the leaner and meaner you get in the trenches. Oh, you're so afraid of failing. Stop being afraid of failing. Trust God and you're going to fail, but you pick yourself back up again. And you see David, even though David, you'll see here in a minute where says he'll do my will all the days of his life. Did he? No, because he made mistakes. But what was God's will? Repentance. The favor of God, it, listen, this is an awesome topic. I could just keep talking about this topic. But now I'm gonna take you back to David. Why am I talking about the favor of God? Because if we're gonna really understand King David's life, you need to understand the favor of God. Mo, uh, Abraham found favor. And it says because he would command his family to do righteousness. Righteousness because he didn't stagger at the promise and he said, yes. And God said, I can trust you. This isn't about you never being sinless. Sin's crucified on the cross. God loves you the same. Get under the blood and repent. Your position changes your action. What kind of pastor would I be if I was token it up, cheating on my wife, getting blasted nightly and stealing your money? You guys wouldn't be here for one and this would all come crumbling down. See, Saul lost his kingdom that David gained. Why? Because Saul was more concerned about the favor of man while David was more concerned about Acts 13, 22. This is the story of Saul. By the way, let me recommend a book. If you have not read The Tale of Three Kings by Gene Edwards, every one of you needs to buy it. One of the best books. It's in my top five. It's written in theater style, and it's all about three kings, David, Saul, and Absalom. How we trust God every day of our life instead of trying to cut the hem of Saul's garment, or I'd call people out of Saul's and not getting healing from our Saul experiences. So when Saul, when he had removed Saul, he raised up for them another man. His name was David as king. And he gave a testimony and he said, I have found David. I found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart who will do all my will. Now, he called him a man when David was a young teenage boy because God knows who you're called to be. If we could just see in each other what he sees in them. I have nothing to preserve, nothing. If he's to take my place one day, he can have it. If you're to take my place, you can have it. I'm not out to protect anything. I'm out to give it all away. How did Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit decide in three years he would die? Because if I was in charge, I'd have made it like at least give him till 60. (laughs) Seriously. And when he died, everyone was a mess. Three years of training? We'll put people through 20 years of training in our churches. He was a... Jesus left some messy people by design. You ever thought about that 3 years? What? When Samuel was ripping the kingdom from God from Saul. Look at what it says. 1st Samuel 13:14. Your kingdom's not going to continue. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be commander over his people because he has not kept what the Lord commanded you. So Saul, due to pride, stubbornness, low self-esteem, insecurity, and seeking the favor of man, lost his kingdom, pride. But brokenness, humility, trust. David got his start in a field And then he had to overcome his own family dysfunction. You're an illegitimate child, you were conceived in sin and in your family line are the Moabites. God is a respecter of person, you're out, that's a lie. God is no respecter of person and every single person has access to Christ and the favor of God. And David overcame it. He still battled it. I mean, many times in the Psalms, we read him manifesting, but God will take your complaints. 32 of the Psalms are open complaints to God. Complain if you want. Just give it to him, but stop complaining to one another because you will defy a generation. You'll be dis- you will disgrace a generation and be disloyal to a generation. Woof. And I'm going to leave you with this. What did the distressed, the outcast, the indebted, and the discontent need? They needed a father. Because their king was a prideful, arrogant king. The one they were trusting could not be trusted. And they had nowhere to go. See, they had the orphan spirit. One of the greatest telltale signs of an orphan spirit is depression, anxiety, worry, fear, doubt, distress, discontent. And look, we all battle it. I'm not beating you up. It knocks on my door and I have to fight the good fight of faith against it every day. But I don't let it take up residence inside my head. I am not a depressed, discontented, discouraged, indebted pastor. And I don't want you to be that way. You are sons and daughters of the living God. Get your head up, pick yourself up, Stand firm and step into the army and the promises of God because those mighty men were once orphans and they needed a captain. Oh, my captain. Jesus is the captain of our suffering because he suffered for the joy set before him. You have a new king, you have a father, you're not orphaned, you're not alone, you're not abandoned. You have the favor of God on your life because he delights in you. I don't care where you live, what you've done and what you burned down. And it's never, ever, ever too late. And those orphaned 400 men that showed up at that cave were full-scale orphans when they got there. And through David's life, we're gonna follow the journey of his life in the weeks to come. Of how David would take this ragtag motley crew of people and turn them into sons. That's what we're, where we're going in this church. This is a church of mighty men and women. Get past the offenses. We are all fighting the fight. We're all in the trenches. We're all, in fact, I think God designs that most of the time you're gonna live underwater. And you're like, I want a smooth sailing. Sailing takes me away to where I've always wanted. Yeah, please Lord. Where's the smooth seas and the sailing? But every now and then you get by into a green pasture beside some still waters and you go, There you are, Lord. He's like, Okay, here we go back to the valley of the shadow of death because I'm refining you and making you in, out, up the mountain, into the valley you go. Shoo! Let's all stay. I'd like to ask my prayer partners to come up, please. Come on, prayer partners. We're going to pray for, for y'all today. We have plenty of time to pray. And I'm going to tell you uh, who we want to pray for. And you can ask yourself, do I fit in, this, in those categories, okay? The first thing, now just, just listen to the sound of my voice. Close your eyes for a moment, unless you're walking up front. You're not an orphan when you're born again. You are not an orphan. And if you've been living like one, today's your day to meet the father or to come back home to the father. I don't care how many times you come up to this altar, you just keep coming. You're not alone, you're not isolated. God has a remnant, 7,000 that have not bowed their knee to Baal or kissed an idol. You got a lot of people that can pull you up. You got a lot of people that can pull you out. There's a king in this cave and he's got a necklace for you. He's got a little treasure chest full of necklaces and on every necklace it says mercy and truth. He wants to put it around your neck. Adorn us, Lord, with mercy and truth today. If you've been living like an orphan, afraid, distressed, discontent, and in debt, come up here and let somebody pray for you. If this message was for you, get up here and let somebody pray for you. If you're tired of running, and you need safety, get up here. If you're hurting and broken, come up here. You can even come kneel at the front. You can kneel on this platform right here, right all around here if you want. Don't take home that thing you brought in. Fear, worry, distress, doubt. There's a father here today, a dad you never had, a good father, he's a good, good father. He's a good father. And his glory is in your story, son. His glory is in your story, daughter. He takes people just like us and turns us into mighty men and women. And today, his favor is available through the blood and through the cross. If you're watching and listening online, just repent. Maybe, maybe kneel down on your knees. You are his favorite. God loves you. He delights in you. He cares about you. He knows your situation better than you do. Your marriage, your kids, your finances, your family, He is a good God. Just tell him, Lord, you're so good. I trust you. Put my hope in you. I put my delight in you, Lord. God, I thank you for this family. And I thank you, Jesus, for our children. And I pray, God, that you would truly make us your disciples. Help us to carry our cross, deny ourselves, and follow you. Just like those band of outlaws that ran to the cave. Be our captain, Jesus. Be our captain. If you're not born again today, don't play around with your life and your salvation. Come up here and let somebody pray with you. If you have backslid, if you've gone backwards into sin, get up here and let somebody pray with you. Don't take it home today. This is a big altar and a place to leave the pain. You do not have to take it. God, I bless this church, I bless this family, and I thank you, Lord, for healing to every marriage, your faithfulness to our kids, and our future. I pray over your finances, and I pray that, Lord, you'd pull us out of debt, pull us out of discontentment, and pull us out of distress.